Hey everyone, this is Kiros with Invisible Not Broken. Today I talk with a man who, thanks to kidney cancer, now has no kidneys in his body. Until I talked to him, I didn't even know that was a real thing that could happen. We'll talk about some serious drawbacks to being an early adopter of a new technology, why decimal points are really important, how the ACA, also known as Obamacare, saves lives, about food inequality for sick people, why you can't amputate your legs even if the pain makes you want to, and using social media check-ins as a life hack. Enjoy! Hi, welcome to Invisible Not Broken. Um, tell me your name, what your invisible disability is, and then tell me a little more about it. Hi. Uh, well, my name is Bob Fukushima. Uh, Robert, either way. And um, my disability is that I don't have kidneys. No kidneys. No, no kidneys. kidneys. Uh, so, I, technically, I have end-stage renal failure as a result of bilateral kidney cancer. Okay. Uh, along with that, there's a whole host of other things affected by the kidneys. Um, okay. And my overall experience would be uh, somewhat more somewhat more complicated by the fact that I actually had uh, kidney failure prior to that. Probably from the time I was 26. Wow. Uh, as a result and, and of... how old are you now? 56. You okay. So, like, 30 I'd love years. to say, if I could just do the calculation. Uh, 56. So, 30 years. Uh, when I was 26, I had uh, testicular cancer. And radiation therapy in which mistakes were made. And uh, my kidneys were damaged. Now, you mentioned this when we had talked about this before, that, that you're... Radiation for the kid for the uh, testicular cancer. There was a major mistake made. Right, there was a major mistake made in the uh, programming of of uh, the hardware at the time. State okay. of the art. Uh, always be the early adopter. <laughs> sort of didn't work out. Um, any event, so I dealt with the symptoms of kidney failure for thirty years uh, on a slow decline, and then. Um, and you knew probably, you had kidney failure then. Or? Oh yeah, I knew. Okay. There was no doubt. And uh, I'd been on a kidney diet and, and made certain concessions. However, uh, four years ago, more or less four years ago, mm-hmm. um, I started having uh, much worse symptoms, which I initially thought maybe were cardiac failure. Okay. Uh, I went to a, a friend of mine who was a cardiologist, had been my cardiologist, and uh, and that was not it. And he said, no, your heart's fine. Uh, I think it's your kidney. And thus began two years of trying to get a kidney specialist to look at me. And then, um, and then finally getting, uh, uh, much thanks to the ACA, getting a different medical system okay. uh, involved. And they very quickly found out that I had kidney cancer and the kidneys had to come out. Wow. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's I, a, I just can't <clears throat> imagine, you know, my, my kidneys had to come out, both of them. In my mind, the first thing I think of when someone, you know, when you first told me that you had no kidneys, I'm like, oh, you mean you have, like, partial failure, whatever. No, you have no kidneys. Yeah, there's no kidneys. That blows my mind. And the doctor said, both of your kidneys are, are end-stage failure. I'm like, okay, I guess this is it. And, and he goes, well, no. I said, 
What do you mean, no? You can't live without kidneys. And he, and he says, dialysis. Says, dialysis will work for somebody with no kidneys? And, he goes, and I said, are you taking my kidneys out? And he goes, oh, they're cancerous. They, they definitely have to come out. Wow. Yeah. That was, that's, <laughs> that's, it just blows my mind because, I mean, like, I can't. I mean, I, like you, I've always thought you, know, you need your kidneys. You could go on dialysis if they're not doing well, but that you could function completely without them. That, that blows my mind. Right. And, and, you know, in my head, it's like, okay, because, uh, you know, you take out hearts or lungs, you're attached to a machine forever. Right. This is not a good life level of life quality. Right. And he goes, well, you'll be attached to a machine some days of the week. But he says, it, it's no different than if you had your kidneys, but they weren't functioning. Okay. So... So, so how often do you have to go for dialysis? Uh, I go um, three times a week. In my case, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay. Uh, for four hours a day. Four hours each time I go. Okay, so like so 12 hours total a total of 12 hours a week. That's not horrible. Uh, actually, I, I, much to my surprise, uh, I, used to, I, I make the joke that it's, it's no worse... Then uh, when I ran a business and I had to have staff meetings uh, or horrible client meetings, which you also, you know, you get to a certain level in business and pretty much you have horrible meetings for four hours a day, five days a week. So I only now have them for three days a week. Uh, I guess that's one way to look at it. <laughs> most of the people at dialysis don't get that. <laughs> no. I mean, the nurse is like, what do you mean? Is don't you guys have staff meetings every week? And she goes, yeah, they're not bad. I guess your experience is different than mine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I never got to a level where I had to have meetings that were all day long. My other half does. My other half sometimes will have, you know, six, seven, eight hours of meetings a day, every day. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm sure he would would, uh, agree with you on that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, and you said this is... So this has been, you haven't had kidneys now for what, four years? Two years. Two years. Two okay, years. two years. Okay. Um, wow, it's, it's, it, that blows my mind. Um, what would you, what do you think would be different about your life if this hadn't happened? I mean, you know, if they caught the testicular cancer, they had not screwed the machine up, and you still had your kidneys. Where, where would you be in your life right now? I, I'd still be running my, my landscape architecture business. Okay. Um, I had a uh, I had a firm in uh, San Ramon, and uh, we specialized in parks and uh, urban revitalization projects. Uh, a little bit of planning, um, a lot of sports field stuff, and uh, and I and I truly enjoyed that. And I would still be doing it um, if I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I discovered. As non, as as much as the uh, the dialysis really only takes up twelve hours a week, and and there are ways I could manipulate that um, around uh, around having to work if 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 I had to work mm-hmm. if I had to have the income uh, that would have been something that was possible. Yeah. But dialysis leaves me quite tired three days a week. Uh, and it turns out when I'm tired, really tired, I'm mildly irritable. <laughs> uh, and my, my, my clients were not able to... I dealt with a lot with uh, 
with um, builders and uh, and, and cities okay. uh, yeah. getting projects approved, that kind of thing. Uh, towards the end of, of as as my kidneys got worse, uh, and and I had some heart issues early in uh, two thousand four. Um, I dialed back with my practice and I started doing a lot more animal welfare facilities. Okay. In essence, adoption centers, uh, animal shelters. Gotcha. Um, cool. Which was fun. I liked doing those jobs and managed to get out of it without bringing home a bunch of animals. <laughs> yeah, that's the trick. With Unbelievably guys. hard. Yes. Um, and... So I, you know, we have a lot of city approval issues with animal facilities. Oh yeah. And uh, the meetings would always be like, "Let's meet on Monday." Well, I can't. Well, how about Wednesday? No, I can't do that either. And my clients were getting upset with me. Uh, the cities were frustrated, and it became obvious to me that this wasn't going to work. Yeah, I, I, I can relate. Most people with invisible illnesses, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit in our podcast before. That, you know, you don't know how you're going to feel from one day to the next. And you may have to cancel on somebody because, you know, you just don't have it that day. You just, it, you're wiped out from something. Right. And, you know, when you have dialysis, you have set times. You have to be someplace and you can't just, hey, yeah, I'll reschedule my dialysis so I can meet with you. That right. really doesn't fly. Right. <laughs> and you're very tired. And, 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 uh, and the risks with dialysis. Uh, there have been a few times when uh, I didn't get off the machine very well. Uh, blood pressure drops in my case. Oh. Uh, Thanks. It can drop a lot. So uh, when that happens, they, they either have to stabilize me at the clinic, which fortunately for me so far, the half a dozen times that it's happened in the last two years, they just gave me solution and and I was able to get back together. But... It's entirely possible to end up in the hospital. Wow. Um, it's one of the things with dialysis you get used to is... This is a risk. People end up going from the clinic to the hospital. Wow. That's... And it's greatly improved. I, I, I've talked to a few people who've been there for more than a decade, and they talk about how it actually has greatly improved. But it's still it's a risk. It's still a risk. Uh, you know, you're pumping a liter of blood out of your body every hour for four hours. Wow. Something could go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Holy mackerel. So that means you also get jabbed with a needle a lot, too. I yeah. It. Yeah, you get used to that. Wow. Well, most people get used to it. <laughs> I've gotten used to it. Uh, yeah. But then I was never a needle person. I was never a needle-phobic person. Gotcha. Yeah, me either. I, I gave plasma when I was in college, and that's those really thick needles. Yeah, too. yeah, so, same thing. Yeah, I, you get used to it. Yeah, or IVs. I've had a lot of IVs, and the nurses always, I've got to set an IV, and it's going to hurt. I, no, 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 just, it's just do it. Yeah, be better off if you didn't tell me. I'd rather have it be a surprise. <laughs> Not really that much of a surprise, and that's what you're there for. But yeah, um, what's your daily life look like then because of this? Uh, well, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday <clears throat> is a different day than Tuesday, Thursday, and the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, like most people, the weekend is my my uh, happy days mm-hmm. when I'm off doing things. Uh, fortunately, 
for me because of the dialysis. My Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sundays, uh, with some lifestyle modifications, uh, are still fairly normal days. So you said lifestyle modifications. Like, what do you mean? Diet, primarily diet and drink. Um, I am limited to roughly a liter to a liter and a half of fluids a day. Wow. Uh, that includes food. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not a lot. No, that's not a lot. I mean, you know, uh, how do you... I sometimes exceed that. Well, my body, because I don't get rid of fluid as easily. Now, so there, there's a trick to that. Um, I'm going to come to that. Let me answer the other question. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, so, so my off days are, are pretty normal. Uh, I'm very fortunate in the sense that uh, I have four days a week that are remarkably normal. I may run out of energy a little sooner than than I used to, or you know, mm-hmm. a lot sooner than I used to. But uh, you know, I get eight to ten hours a day of of normal life on those days. Okay. On dialysis days, uh, my day starts at uh, four thirty in the morning. Oh my god. And I'm on the dialysis run from 5 till about 9. And then uh, I leave the clinic somewhere around 9.15, 9.30, hit my local coffee shop, have breakfast. Uh, I'll have two or three hours of good energy. Then when, after I eat lunch, I will typically need to sleep for at least two hours. Okay. Uh, and there are days when that turns into 17 hours of sleep. Wow. I wake up the... Uh, I actually, most horribly, is when I go to sleep at 2 p.m. And I wake up at 3 a.m., wide awake, having slept for 11 hours. And uh, have absolutely nowhere to go or nothing to do. So I, I just try to go back to sleep. I usually can. And then I end up waking up, you know, again at 7, having slept 19 hours or something. Wow. Uh, my it's my in, in my head, the joke is because most of my contemporaries, most of my friends, most of my like my old high school classmates, they're all having insomnia issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly because we're all in our mid to late fifties, we're all realizing the world is a really messed up place. Our our kids and our grandkids <laughs> are growing up in in a world that we, quite frankly, our generation screwed up, and. Um, and so they're not sleeping well. And I'm sitting here catching enough sleep for everybody. <laughs> that's a good way to look at it. I try to, yeah, you know, that's a positive side. But, yeah, you know, it, it doesn't affect your life. Uh, three days a week, sleeping at least half the day uh, is, is the drawback. On the other four days, I live pretty well. Okay. Yeah, and you'd mentioned that there's certain things you can't eat anymore. Right, so getting back to the whole dietary thing. Um, water... Well, any kind of fluids. And, of course, most of our foods have fluids of some level. Although right. certain foods are better than others. Like bread. I can eat bread. Um, because bread actually is a relatively low-moisture product. Okay. Uh, rice is a little less easy for me. Right, because it... Um, you know, it in Japanese, water, so. rice is oh, wow, a staple. Yeah. So, uh, you know... It happens that I do like sourdough bread, so I don't suffer That's good. for not eating rice. Um, 
the, the uh, but I do have to watch the fluids and hydration is not an issue. Um, they dehydrate me and generally speaking, they try to keep me slightly less hydrated than the average person would be. Okay. Uh, simply because my body doesn't dispose of fluid right. at all between treatments. Right. Uh, on hot days, it's a particular trick. Um, because you're sweating. And you because you're sweating you and there's that. no way to measure that. Right. Um, so I can take, I can drink more water. Um, but you gotta be careful. Particularly when it's very hot and I'm outside doing things. Uh, I could, I probably have to drink three liters of water and not the one. Because it's just going away. Right. Um, that's the trick. Uh, and then I had to change a lot of how I eat. No beans, no dairy, uh, no whole grains. Um, I'm supposed to eat white rice, and white bread. Um, the nutritionist, the non-dialysis nutritionist, when she was going to go over it, she goes, it's so hard for me to say these things. <laughs> it's so much against everything, everything I believe else. in. Yeah. And uh, no dark leafy greens, like no kale, uh, oh, wow, no man. spinach, no chard. Um, and the thing is, I had grown to actually enjoy beans. Oh, that's good. With, you know, dark leafy greens. and But you make adjustments. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the big picture of things... Um, I, and I recognize that I am disabled. It takes, it took me some time to accept that this was not, um, not something that I could work my way through. Yeah. Uh, no amount of exercise, uh, even diet compliance and everything else. I was not going to be, uh, what I once was. Although I dealt with kidney failure for so long uh, and the last six or seven years before I got on dialysis was chronic pain, um, hyperphosphoremia, uh, and possibly gout. Although the hyperphosphoremia mimics gout in certain ways. What's, I've never heard of hyperphosphoremia. Hyperphosphoremia is, um, so your kidney removes three minerals from your body. Well, it removes many minerals from your body, but three are key. Uh, it's magnesium, potassium, and phosphorus. Okay. And we're all familiar, like, if you get cramps, eat a banana, you get more potassium. Right. So the kidneys actually monitor magnesium, potassium, and phosphorus. Your body must have them, mm-hmm. but only in certain amounts. And uh, if, your body, if your kidney stops functioning, like mine, the magnesium, the potassium, and the phosphorus get out of balance. Generally, they become too... Too, too high level of concentration in your blood. Um, it's really hard to get the potassium and magnesium too high, even under normal diet okay. conditions. It's hard. Phosphorus, however, rockets up. It's present in meat. I eat a lot of meat. Uh, it's present in uh, almost all of our processed foods, yeah. which I can come back to in a minute. Um, when the phosphorus gets too high, the hypothyroid kicks out calcium. And it pumps calcium into the blood from your bones to 
buffer the effects of the phosphoric acid in your in your blood. Okay. Um, this does two things. One is it leaches calcium from your bones, and uh, if the phosphorus is very high, that leaching of calcium can become significant enough to cause some weakening of, Make particularly in the right. joints. Um, the flip side of that is the calcium precipitates out of the blood into your muscle tissue. And it's permanent. Once it does it, it's there. It can't be removed. It can't be removed other than, other than completely removing the muscle itself. So I, I do have some calcified muscle. I fortunately avoided the worst condition, which is a calcification of, of the heart. Which would have been bad. Would have been bad, yes. Um, but I do have some of that. And uh, what I thought was originally gout ended up getting into my hips and my knees, which is somewhat unusual for gout. We all know, like, the old guy the foot, yeah. with the full, swollen foot. Well, that's very typical of gout. Uh, a little less typical is the hands. Um, most problematic, though, for me was that it was in my hips, it was in my knees, and it was into my spine. And I couldn't... I, I, walking was painful. Now, removal of the kidneys and dialysis treatments fixed that. Made my life much more normal. That's good. Uh, but the phosphorus, and the phosphorus has been very tricky, because they put phosphorus in things that it doesn't need to be there. Well, yeah, the way we process our food here, it's <clears throat> Uh, phosphoric, phosphoric acid is added to, so, to sodas in particular, but also to juices and uh, some other things. It's a preservative, but more so, it has become something that, hu- that in particular Americans, but many humans, equate with uh, a texture and a taste that is desirable. Okay. So it's now not just added as a preservative, it's added as a food adjunct to make food more... A flavor enhancer type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you'll find it in granola, and it doesn't have to be in granola, but it's added. Um, I have found it in uh, animal crackers. Uh, I was buying animal crackers. And then uh, the other thing that's changed is uh, leavening. So cakes... Well, don't have to have it, but the the cheapest baking powder is uh, pyrophosphate, huh. and uh, it's it's a highly bioavailable form of phosphate. Interesting. So, uh, cheap cookies, cakes, uh, cake donuts. Uh, donuts are a big deal for my family. <laughs> my, my dad ate them. My grandfather ate them. <laughs> Um, and I ate them, and uh, and it turns out that uh, the the cake donuts that most of us get from donut factories, mm-hmm. donut, shops, donut shops, are um, loaded with phosphorus. Wow, I would never have known that. Yeah, this podcast is educational too. Yeah, well, it's you know, baking soda is a uh, is a base and an acid. Baking, you know, my, my baking powder rather, baking soda, and then an acid. And uh, phosphoric acid, again. It's wow. just throughout the food system. Um, and meats. Um, right. Saline injected almost, un- unless you buy a particular type of 
chicken mm-hmm. or pork. Uh, almost all of it is adulterated with a injection. Yep. That injection uses phosphate salts designed to get into the meats. Well, you know, we're just walking sacks of animated meat. Yeah. So we ingest that and immediately goes into the blood system and it immediately, in my case, triggers hyperphosphoremia. I can actually feel it now when it starts to trigger. If I eat chicken that's had uh, the saline... Wow. It's bad stuff for you anyway. And it's actually a bad value. When so, you, you know, buy like Foster's Farm that they've treated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I shouldn't name a brand, I suppose. <laughs> when you buy cheap chicken that's been adulterated, uh, uh-huh. it has anywhere from 12 to 16% of that formula, essentially water and chemicals injected into it. You're essentially paying for, you know, 80, 84% chicken. And the rest of it that you're paying is water. Wow. I did not know that. I mean, I knew that they injected stuff, but I didn't realize it was quite so much. Which is sort of one of the reasons, one of the key reasons in my mind, um, when I go to one of my butcher shops that's selling uh, chicken that hasn't been injected with formula, or pork in particular, I'm paying a little higher price or a lot higher price, Mm -hmm. but I'm getting more meat that has no additives that are bad for me, Uh, a necessity, a necessity for me. Yeah. Yeah. You, because I like my heart. You and I talked about this a little bit when we first met that you pretty much have as much trouble eating out as I do because of not knowing exactly what's in everything. Right. So, yeah, that was, because we, we actually talked about that the first time we met was, you know, I was having trouble watching for dairy, and you were watching for all these other things, which... Uh, and dairy, too, yeah. Well, yeah, but you have so many more things even beyond that that you have to watch out for. Yeah, it's, there's a few things. Tomatoes, potatoes, beans. Wow. Dairy. <laughs> beer. Uh, no beer. That's I, For some people, I know that's not a big deal. It was a big deal for me. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out all those years of, of the hyperphosphoremia and and really like walking on glass type pain. Mm, I know um, that pain. And I, if I quit drinking beer, that might have been better. And I was like, no, that, that. I wish somebody had told me that. I, I would have given up beer to not live in pain for better part of a decade. Yeah, I hear you there. Um, so in dealing with all of these things... And you've kind of got a better handle on it now. Um, what what could be done to make you know what could make your life easier? I mean, I know obviously a kidney transplant. Kidney transplant would, of course, well, okay. I in my head, I think a kidney transplant would solve all my problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably rationally, I know that that's not true. If I really think about the fact that. You know, there's got to be a whole host of problems that comes with a kidney transplant. And there may be, in the near future, I think, uh, an artificial kidney. I, I've seen some that would about that. that would be a pretty big deal. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of ways. Because I don't know that a lot of people know this, uh, but in the bigger picture of my in, invisible disability, 
is the fact that um, dialysis patients are one of the few truly socialized medicine solutions in the United States. Uh, 80% of any per patient's dialysis treatment is paid for by Social Security, regardless of your age. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, now, some people, older people, uh, 100% is paid for. Social Security, uh, right. what do they call it? Medicaid. Medicaid. But, uh, but every dialysis patient gets a certain percentage of their treatment subsidized. Interesting. Okay. Um, if you could come up with a universal kidney transplant that could be put into a dialysis patient, you're going to reduce, and there will always be some people I think that will have to be on dialysis, but you're going to reduce the number of people massively. Mm -hmm. And you're probably talking about hundreds of thousands of people at three to $9,000 a month wow. that hit the federal budget. That would not be there anymore. There would just be the one surgery, get artificial kidney, and you move on. That would be, that would be the big thing that would make my life better. Uh, there are... There's still damage. There's damage that was done prior to my finally getting the right treatments or finally getting bad enough that the right treatments became necessary. Right, because you, you mentioned to me when we talked about this that you had the surgery for your testicular cancer. They screwed up the, right. the dosage of your... Yeah, so I have, I, have, uh, I, I have a dead right hip, which is will ultimately be another disability for me, but right now it doesn't seem to be. But that is an area that would, did become problematic when the kidneys were not good, when my blood was toxic. Um, that was an area that, of particular pain and infections. Um, that seems to have calmed down. That's good. The, um, and, and overall, my, uh, my health is, I've been able to start exercising and working out because of a dialysis primarily. Um, so, you know, in my case, really, that's what I'm looking at. A kidney transplant, maybe someday an artificial kidney that will do away with the negatives of, of a kidney transplant, which is rejection. Eventually, right. it'll reject. Uh, they last anywhere from three to maybe ten years on average. Oh, I actually didn't know that either. I, yeah. didn't, I, I knew that about kidney transplants, I didn't realize the rejection rate was that high. Uh, it will always fail. Um, they're not like having your own kidneys. Okay. And, um, so it's not like some of the other things you can get transplants where they just, they're there for you the rest of your life. It's, no. It's a, it's always a temporary thing. It's, it's a temporary thing. Wow. Okay. Um, and then you go back on dialysis, maybe you get another kidney. That's why the artificial kidney is so promising. Right. Cause then it would um, be a, because the worst case scenario, maybe every, every few years they have to go in, change a few parts, repair a few things. Um, but it's it's not the same as okay. a transplant. You don't have and, to find a transplant. Right. You That's don't find the key. A, a match. You don't have to find. If you can manufacture it versus having to take it from another human, be it alive or a dead human, um, it'll just be a much better solution for for all of us kidney people. Okay. And and kidney failure is a growing issue. There are actually more and more people out there with uh, less and less healthy kidneys. I I have no trouble believing that because two of the medications that I have to take every day for my problems, both, um, list in their warnings can cause kidney problems. And it's like, really? Yeah. Because that's just what I need. 
Exactly. Uh, yeah, NSAIDs are a good example of that. All yeah. of the uh, non-steroidal painkillers. That's what um, is. The, they're incredibly bad for your kidneys. Yeah. Which I know you don't need to hear. No, probably I, I, already I, know. I, I know this already. Um, um, but it's, yeah, you need a drug to function. Right. Or you take morphine. Yeah. I, if I didn't have my anti-inflammatories every day between my feet and my knee, I wouldn't be able to walk at all. Yeah. And I've, I know this from the days that I, that I went on vacation and I thought I packed enough pills and then I had miscounted. So the last day I didn't have my pills and I was traveling in the airports and oh my God, I thought I was going to die. I actually, so when the hyperphosphemia was in, in, in its particular worst, uh, and I was needing nearly crutches to get around, I actually asked the doctor, what if we, what if we cut these things off just above the knee? <laughs> and I saw those, 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 those like uh, prosthetic legs uh-huh. that uh, Oscar Pistorius had. Uh-huh. And I was like, I think I could live with those. And he goes, no. He says, no, 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 no. He says that. A, we do not cut off, even though they're painful, they're functional limbs. And he says, you can't understand how much this would be a bad decision. He says, you can't just cut off your legs um, and expect your body not to react to that. Right. It, it, I, I'm laughing because one of the things, so I have, like I said, I have the knee problem, I have the feet problem. The foot problem has been going on for over a decade, oh, almost 15, 20 years now. Um, and they've been progressively worse. And, you know, though my, my husband will ask me what I want for Christmas. It's like a bone saw. Yeah. Because <laughs> just cut them off, make it stop hurting. And, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. You're mean because you won't give me that. <laughs> so I, I can totally relate to what you're saying here. That's why I'm laughing. It's like I can totally relate to this. Um, well, my uh, the other thought I had, I saw a show on um, DARPA. Okay. And they were showing a bionic exoskeleton. And I'm sitting here, my knees hurt, my hip hurts, and there's this guy walking with this these robotic legs, and I'm like, I need that. Yes. That would be cool. I, I could just strap into an exoskeleton. And in Japan, they're working on this for people whose hips and knees are too too weak to stand up anymore or get out of a chair. They have these exoskeletons, and they're... They're moving towards that. Yeah, I, I, I've seen some of that too, and that's really cool. Um, probably not in my lifetime, yeah, but maybe. Like not, if not I live long enough. But, yeah. uh, but the kidney could happen in the next couple of years, I hope. Uh, I will not be the first guy to have an artificial kidney put in because, you know, being the first guy to try that radiation machine didn't work out well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And, uh, you know, I was always an early adopter of, of software programs different when it's uh you know something that's going to affect your body and your life and yeah 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 it's different from like oh my my new os isn't working very good on my phone to oh hey now i have no kidneys yeah that was the uh what'd you do over the weekend bob i rebuilt my computer system the network went down why on friday i loaded some betas and was testing them and they ate up everything um, so do you have any life hacks, things to make your life easier, things you do to like get around your disability? Um, you know, not so much now. Um, okay. you know, when I had the, the, the problems with the hyperphosphoremia, it affected my hands. 
And uh, I found different computing devices were a big deal. Uh, mouse versus vertical mouse versus trackball. Mm-hmm. On any given day, one or the other was more functional for me than, you know, the rest. Um, I learned to be ambidextrous. I started, I like to cook, and I started cooking, uh, cutting with my left hand. I couldn't imagine doing that. <laughs> I would cut myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, now, so uh, one, one concession I have made, uh, because I'm a dialysis patient, is um, my, uh, I have a fistula, and my left hand doesn't quite have the, the circulation it used to. Okay. Uh, it doesn't heal as well. Uh, I now wear a uh, steel mesh glove wow. when I'm trimming or cutting things. Uh, just to cut down on the cuts. Makes sense. Um, yeah. Uh, other than that, what else? I drive. Everywhere. Okay. Uh, I used to walk to the coffee shop. I now drive to the coffee shop. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's not a life hack. It's no secret to anybody who can't walk that well, you drive yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And, I mean, I, don't, I realized in the way over here, you actually only live like five blocks from me. But I drove, because mm-hmm. there's no way my feet would handle that. No, not right now. Yeah. Um, and for me, you know, with my feet, I go and get foot massages down the road here, like, usually at least twice a month, just because it breaks up where it hurts, and I can function better for a couple days afterwards. So, that, that I, I hear you. That's actually a good life hack. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, the biggest thing for me was coming to accept. That... That I've got disabilities. Yeah. Um, and it's so hard because you've... you've um, Monica and I had a long talk about this on my co-host because she's had it since she was a little kid. So she's always just had limitations. But when you suddenly have limitations later in life, it's so much harder because you know exactly what you've missed, what you're missing. You know, you know you can't do this thing or you can't do that thing that you've always done. And when you first start having problems, if you're anything like me... You push through. And, oh, yeah. I can do this. I can do this. Right. And then you pay the price. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's and it's realigning your brain when I can't do these things anymore. Yeah. And really, for 20 years, that's what it was. I lived with chronic pain. Uh, I swallowed and says, which probably didn't help the kidney issue. <laughs> um, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, if I swallowed aspirin, I bled. Uh, I should have taken Tylenol, but I, I, I was actually taking a cocktail of different painkillers to, to manage the pain and mm-hmm. to keep functioning. Um, so moving on from that, um, you know, talking about how the life hacks, life hacks going on beyond that, you know, how has your friends, family adapted to this? And that's, that's probably one of the bigger life hacks for me is I, I'm very fortunate I have uh, a very supportive family, and I have uh, a lot of, of, I don't have a lot of friends. I have friends who uh, I know I can rely upon. Um, I mean, I do have a lot of friends, but you know, many of them don't live anywhere near here, and, and it's, it's not like I can really actually ask them for anything other than 
emotional support, which I recognize can be a very big deal. Yeah. Um, but uh, I have a group of friends that, you know, I can call, get a ride anytime. Uh, you know, I, a couple of friends took me to the hospital when I was unconscious because I didn't want an ambulance. I probably should have taken an ambulance. Do you live here alone then? Yep. So do you have people to check in on you? Um, no. Well, I used to have a roommate for a while. I had a roommate. Uh, but I, um, I go to a coffee shop every morning. Okay. And it's both, uh, a social interaction with people. And, uh, for my sister and brother who are worried about me, but live quite a ways away. It's, uh, they know that if I don't show up at the coffee shop, like check in on Facebook or something? I check in on Facebook at the gotcha. coffee shop. They know that if that doesn't happen, that there's probably something wrong. Something's wrong. wrong. Yeah. That's good. That, it, it's a way to use social media for something other right. than... It's know. a way for them to know that things are fine. And it's, a, and it's comfort... They know that I'm going to head there... That's actually... Under almost any circumstance. In a way, that's kind of a life hack, too, because you actually have someone that's keeping track of you. Right. And, but it's... They're far away... But you check in every morning so they know, okay, he's right. okay. <clears throat> and I'm not checking in at home. I'm checking in at, at the coffee place. shop. That's good. Yeah. Um, and I, this has come up in a lot of um, our discussions around invisible disabilities. Do you find that people don't believe that you're actually sick because you don't look sick? Mm-hmm. Yes. Although I do have, um, I mean, if you're an observant person, bearing in mind that most people even if they are observant people, are not looking at other people. They're not so concerned about my existence that they notice every single thing that's wrong. But if you're an observant person, you'll notice that I have dialysis scars on my, on my arm. Um, however, okay. most people are not looking at me that closely. I know that. Uh, well, they might think you're a junkie. They, they might. <laughs> and they might judge me that way, too. Um, which would also be wrong. But... In any event, uh, you know, most I, I've had some people give me a bit of a look when I pull into the disabled spot, mm-hmm. and I get that because uh, I get out of the vehicle and I walk normally. I don't have a limp. I don't have any outward, any obvious outward manifestation of a disability. Mm-hmm. And on many days, I don't bother with the disabled spot. If I'm feeling good and strong, and I haven't gone to dialysis, I just park. Right. Um, because I'm not feeling like I need it that day. But certainly on dialysis days, I, I park in the disabled spot, because my energy can drop at any time. Right. Um, but, yeah, I get that from time to and. And I know a lot of people will say, "Oh, you don't look you don't look sick at all." Mm-hmm. And I know that they don't; they're not criticizing. They mean that as uh, as a compliment that you look perfectly normal. Uh, and so I, you know, I, I take it as 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 a compliment. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can tell in a tone of voice, yeah, whether somebody means it as a compliment or whether they're calling you out for something. Yeah. You use that disabled placard, and I don't think you're sick. Right. Uh, only once if I had anybody say anything, and uh, it was a person who 
said, you're not supposed to use that placard if the disabled person's not with you. Wow. And I said, yeah, I know that. I, I'm aware of that. Yeah. And, and that was it. And of all places, it was at Berkeley. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I had a situation once. I was on BART, and I sat down in the, the disabled seats next to an older woman, and she lost her mind and yelled at me that how dare I sit down because, you yeah. know, I'm a young kid. I, and I'm like, you know, there were lots of empty seats. It wasn't like, you know, there was an issue with someone else needed the seat. And I'm like, actually, I am disabled. And that day I was actually wearing my knee brace um, because my knee was really bad that day. And I'm like, I pulled my shorts up to show the knee brace. I'm like, look, see, I, I actually am disabled. I'm not just sitting here. And even so... You know, it's not like there's somebody else that needs the seat. Yeah. This is, it says you have to, you know, move when someone needs it, but I need it. <laughs> but yeah. she just glared at me the entire ride into the city. <laughs> just sat there and just like gave me a dirty look the whole time. It's like, okay. Um, a, a, a similar, uh, of the opposite side of that story, I was riding Barton to the city and I had a cane and I was, I was not feeling great. Um, this is again before I had the kidneys removed. And I'm in the disabled seat, and uh, an older woman gets on. She's a little, little teetery. Mm-hmm. So I, I look around, and there's 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 young people sitting in the benches. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they maybe they're disabled too. I don't know, but uh, the young guy sitting next to me had run to get on the train, had run down the steps and run into the train, jumped into the seat. So I figured, you know. Well, this guy like, could probably stand up and wouldn't do it. I got up and gave her this. And she wouldn't take the seat initially. She said, oh, no, no, you're on a cane. And I said, oh, great. This 80-year-old woman that's tottery doesn't want to sit down in the seat I'm giving her because I'm the one that needs the seat. Yeah. It's like, this, this is terrible. <laughs> but I was judging the others saying, you know what? Yeah. One of you younger people should have gotten up and given her this seat. What is wrong with you people? Yeah, and it's 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 easy to do that. Yeah, but I mean, it, to be fair, you did see the guy run, so yeah. Whatever, his, if, if he maybe he had disabilities, they weren't apparent at the time, right? Uh, at all. Um, and I know one of the questions on the questionnaire was, "How has this affected your relationships?" And you said you're not in one right now. I'm not in one right now. Um, but the last significant relationship I was in, though, uh, I was having the the joint issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and to her credit, she didn't seem to be bothered by it at all. Okay. Um, it was uh, not a factor in the end of that relationship. Okay. Uh, it wasn't as it wasn't great, but it wasn't as bad. Uh, you know, I mean, it was bad. I was in constant pain. Yeah. But it wasn't where it got to. Right. Uh, where it got to of, of barely being able to walk, uh, not being able to get out of, of uh, bed right. because of the pain. It wasn't that. I'm, that would have to affect uh, a relationship in some way, I would think. Yeah. We just recorded a, a sex and relationships uh, chat between Monica and I. And one of the things we were talking about in that is, you know, when you first start dating, how do you actually bring up the subject that, oh, I, by the way, I had no kidneys, you know. That's got to make that whole aspect of trying to find some, a relationship harder because 
Oh, by the way, I have no kidneys. So, yeah. so I grew up. I grew up in a Japanese American family, mm-hmm. uh, and we were more of a rural Japanese American family. So we kept ourselves more or less. We did not discuss illness or weakness. Uh, I was raised by both a father and and uh, an uncle. Uh, both of my uncles, in fact, who were like mentors as well, uh, all of them said, do not show weakness. Weakness is what your enemies take advantage of. In business, in life, uh, never show weakness. Okay. So I grew up with the attitude that you don't discuss your illness. Mm-hmm. You don't show weakness. You walk normally, even if it's tearing your joints apart. Um, you work even if your heart is failing. You know, you don't give in. Right about 10 years ago, I started thinking, this isn't the right way to do this. Amongst other things, uh, nobody is really trying to take me out. Mm-hmm. I don't have enemies. I mean, I have, at the time I was in business, and I had competitors. Yeah. But really, if I told people my story about cancer or my story about, you know, my hip, my pain. Uh, I wasn't losing anything. But what I wasn't doing also is I wasn't letting other people know that uh, this is just one aspect of life and that I can live, I can live reasonably well with what I've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that there are people that have, much, much worse situations. I mean, I'm sure there are people listening to say, this guy's hardly disabled at all. Uh, you know, he doesn't have chronic pain, his his joints work, and it's like, yeah, well, that's that's true to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm certainly not in the worst shape of anybody even that I know. But um, hiding it doesn't do anybody any good. So I, I'm I'm pretty open about it. I tell people pretty much up front. By the way, I have no kidneys. I have dialysis. Um, and interestingly, some people can't remember that. And every time they see me, did you, you get blood tests? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I got dialysis. Oh yeah, that's right. And you know, most people are so busy in their own lives that I think they're just not that concerned about my life. So. You know, but to to somebody who's going through it, I I I have a, I had a friend a few years ago that was diagnosed as being diabetic, and he was treating it like it was the end of the world. And okay. I told him, you know, my mom was diabetic, and we made these adjustments. This is not hard to do, uh, and yeah, you do have to give up. You have to change your diet a little. Yeah. But I said this is a pretty easy choice. You're going to either not make the change. And you're either going to have a heart attack or your kidneys are going to fail and you're going to be hooked up to a machine. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to say, I really don't need to eat simple starches. Um, I don't need that donut. I don't need that bagel. I don't need that white bread. A candy. And, and I'll make this adjustment. I said, it's actually a choice. Yeah. The choice you don't get is that you are diabetic. The choice you get to make is how that affects your life. Uh, I am, I am on dialysis. It does affect my life, but it doesn't end my life. I I still hang out with my buddies. I still I can drink wine. 
thank God. <laughs> can't have beer, but I can have wine. Um, I didn't have wine for the first year, and it was... I, I would often sit here and think, I've, I, have, I have a particular expertise in, in beverages. I, I've collected wine for uh, probably 40 years. Okay. Uh, I've been an avid beer drinker uh, for at least as long. I started young. Mm-hmm. And uh, I brewed beer for probably 10, 12 years. Oh, cool. Um, so... Beer and wine are things that I actually know <clears throat> more than the average bear about. <laughs> okay. However, wasn't drinking it, and I was sitting there feeling sorry for myself that I that I, I couldn't use my expertise in any useful way. Mm-hmm. Um, but with time and with exercise and, and being on dialysis long enough, I can get a little bit of wine in me. Nice. I just have to allow for the fluids. Right. And I'm sure you don't have the problem that a lot of people with invisible illnesses have of trying to convince a doctor because your doctor knows you have no kidneys, so you don't really no. have to deal with that. No. So it, it, we get back to that. Um, you know, like I said, four years ago, my kidneys started going south. I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what. Mm-hmm. I had uh, one insurance and I had the so-called Cadillac insurance. It was very good insurance. Okay. Through uh, a major insurance carrier. We won't name, so they don't sue us. And um, they would not authorize me to go to a nephrologist. Really? They said, we, you have a normal doctor. And the normal doctor kept saying, you have kidney failure, you should see a nephrologist. And the, the cardiologist kept saying that. The cardiologist actually called on my behalf. And he got an approval. I called the nephrologist, and the nephrologist said, you have an approval to see a nephrologist, but I'm not going to uh, take you for that approval. I said, so is it money? Can I just pay? I'll pay you. And she goes, no, I can't take you because uh, they gave me an approval to see you for X amount of money. It's below the rate that I can that I need to charge you, and they won't approve any tests. I don't want to see you if I can't test you. And uh, she said, honestly, I can't get you in relative to all the other patients I have for what they're approving me to do with you. Wow. So I went back to them, and, and we kept going back and forth. Uh, and I was That's just so about ready to have my attorney write a letter, which I know does work. Um, but then I decided, why don't I, why don't I try switching? Um, why don't I try switching to a different insurer Mm -hmm. under the ACA? Okay. And I talked to my, my corporate insurance person and she said, yes, you could do that. You could switch at any time without any issues, uh, because of Obamacare. Okay. So I switched. And I, they, they brought me in for an appointment. I told them there's something wrong. I think it's my kidneys. The doctor had me get a blood test. Um, and within 12 hours, we had, we had an answer that I needed to see a nephrologist. Within uh, three hours, I was in the nephrologist's office. Damn. Um, 
And this is not how all of my friends who had been, any of my friends who'd been in this, this particular health system uh, have always said, oh, you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait for everything. Uh, not in my case, because once they saw my blood, the nephrologist, uh, or the doctor originally was a diagnostician. He said, I've never seen anybody with blood this toxic who was able to walk and speak. Yeah, what? You told me that when we first met. And, and then the, the nephrologist said, I'm amazed you're conscious. Huh? He said, that's, that's not funny. And he goes, I'm not kidding. He said, I've never seen anybody with blood this toxic who was able to function at all. But damn. And all it took was just changing your insurance. And just changing the insurance, Obamacare, uh, really helped me out. Plus, my rates went down. I don't care what anybody says. It was, in general, in my opinion, a good thing. Um, it saved my life. I think, I think the other system would have allowed me to die. That's frightening. Um, so, yeah, um, my, my, my adventures through the health system have, have been long and not positive. Uh, American, the American health system has been terrible for at least 25 years. Yeah. We, we talk about that quite a bit on, on this podcast, about the um, American healthcare system being completely shite. My mom had uh, a cascade heart attack in 1989. Seven heart attacks in 30 minutes. Oh, Lord. Somehow she survived. Um, and then in uh, 91, she had another cascade heart attack. Uh, and they said she needed to do a um, angioplasty, mm-hmm. uh, laser atherectomy, actually, uh, which is angioplasty but with lasers. Okay. But you know, anything with lasers is better. <laughs> you know, sharks with lasers. Sharks with lasers. Um, Thank So, her health insurance company at the time rejected it and said she's not a candidate for this. Um, she's she's too old. She's too weak. Um, we, we think she should go to palliative care. And I asked a cardiologist and I asked another cardiologist and they both said the same thing, which is, no, no, that's ridiculous. That's why we do the laser atherectomy because for, like for children, for instance, the laser is so thin and we can get it in there and, and we can totally do this on her. Uh, and in that situation, I end up basically writing a letter saying either approve this procedure or get out of the way and let me pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I told the doctor, you know, as he said, it, it's, it's a hundred thousand dollar procedure. And I said, I will pay for it. And he goes, you can't, the hospital has been told not to do the procedure by the health insurance company. I said, so, so realistically they won't, they want her to die. They will not let me pay out of my own pocket to, to save her life. Because they want to prove to me that their decision was right, that she should die. Wow. So I wrote, I had an attorney write a letter basically saying, if you either don't get out of the way or you pay for this, when she dies, we're going to sue you for wrongful death. And within uh, a matter of eight hours, the answer was, we'll pay for a portion of it and we will authorize the procedure but you're going to have to assume a higher risk on it. And I had already told, written the doctor the check and said, here's the check. Mm-hmm. Do the procedure. 
you know, I'll pay whatever. I'll pay if it's a hundred thousand, I'll pay it. If it's one hundred fifty thousand, I'll pay it. Just do the procedure, um, and they ended up paying for some of the hospitalization and some of the surgery, and ended up paying the rest. But that is totally not an option for most people. I get no, that. Not at all. Um, I was. I had a good business going at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of touching off what you were saying about the AC and all this. Um, what are you most fearful of, and what are you most hopeful for in the future? <laughs> fearful. I, I don't feel we have a good government right now. Yeah. And um, I actually don't fear for myself. I have lived since 26 with the specter of my imminent demise. I don't really fear for my future. Uh, if I have a very short future or a very long future, which I you know, prefer long, um, I don't fear for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do fear for uh, my siblings who are healthy right now, but who are aging into that point in time when they'll need, they won't need, but they'll want Medicare. Right. Uh, I don't believe with the current way the government is going that our medical system will continue to be as robust as it uh, once was I think there is a general anti-science and anti-intellectual movement in the population uh, of not wanting to fund these things it's incredible to me that we're more than willing to fund war in a sense in a, in, a, in a really misled sense of security, but we're not willing to fund medical research. You know, like one of the things a lot of people say is, well, I'm willing to fund this and that, but like I won't fund anything for AIDS because that's a gay thing. And it's like there's so many immunotherapy um, drugs that have come out. Yeah. Like these hep C cures, which I'm pretty sure we don't have nearly as much hep C. Uh, need if if you don't have AIDS um, if you don't have the uh, alternate culture not just gays but many of the different alternate yeah. uh, lifestyles that have come up in the last 10 or 15 years 20 years uh, you don't see some of the breakthroughs we're having That's I think there's point. an awful lot of drugs that have come out of research that was not directly at the result that that drug particularly brings. Um, And yet there seems to be endless numbers of painkillers being developed. Yeah, and we Uh, now have an opioid crisis. Remember that. Well, we always did. It's just now that it's it's a sanctioned opioid crisis. Yeah, we actually talked about that because my co-host, Monica, she... The opioids that she takes are the only way she gets through her day. And so, you know, we both feel kind of this whole opioid crisis thing. Get people in there that actually have chronic pain and get them to talk about, you know, what this does and what this means for their life rather than just trusting people who are just have an agenda. Um, So (coughs) we're pretty much uh, winding down here. So we always end the podcast asking people what their favorite swear word is. Do you have a favorite swear word? Oh, no, I have a lot of swear words I like. <laughs> I'd hate to offend one of them. 
<laughs> by your choosing by, one. By choosing the other. <laughs> um, what do you find you use the most? <clears throat> internally, um, internally, I probably use God damn it the most. Okay. Like, God damn it, what happened here? God damn it, what are you doing? Uh, externally, I don't know. I don't know that I swear that much anymore externally. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. I'm quite profane in my head, though. <laughs> Keep it all inside. Um, well, thank you very much for being interviewed. Oh, um, thank you. And uh, I think we're done. Thanks. Monica and I would like to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We're up to 66 five-star reviews now. I would also like to say thank you to Stockton Girl for her wonderful review where she wrote that if you have any sense of compassion and humanity, you will listen to this podcast. It really helps you understand what other people are going through. When someone has issues that are greater than what you can understand from your first impression of them, it will help you relate to others. Plus, it's funny. (laughs) She's so true. We do kind of have fun on this podcast. So if you enjoyed our podcast, please share it with your friends and family and leave us a review on your favorite uh, service. Uh, Tweet or message us any comments you have or questions. Until next week, be kind, be gentle, and be a badass.